Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello, Sixpack family. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 112. For the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the need for all of us to evangelize. We've talked about evangelizing through a blog of your own, launching a podcast of your own, and even doing face-to-face evangelization. But there's one thing that's common to all those things, and that's a solid knowledge of our holy and ancient faith. Today we're going to discuss the best way, in my opinion, to make sure you get all the knowledge you need. an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic is barely two years into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 77 countries, all 50 states, and 177 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women, ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2020 was 14% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each episode's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today on the Sponsor Kit page on our website, cantankerouscatholic.com, or email Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Before I begin, I want to send a shout-out to a loyal listener. On the day Rush Limbaugh died, he sent me an email that was apparently inspired by Rush's death. He told me that I'm the Rush Limbaugh of catechesis. I'm deeply humbled by that comment, and I wanted to take time to thank him on this episode. This week, we're going to have an interview with a consecrated member of the Marian Catechist Apostolate, my longtime friend, Philip Bellini. But first, I need to tell you exactly what the Marian Catechist Apostolate is. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta was once meeting with St. John Paul II. The Holy Pontiff lauded the work of Mother and her missionaries of charity, but he told her that they were allowing souls to slip into eternity without having the opportunity to embrace the Catholic faith. Mother quite honestly admitted that her missionaries didn't know the faith well enough to embrace evangelization. The Pope had a remedy for that. Father John Anthony Hardin was a Jesuit theologian. 
Unlike the typical Jesuit, Father Hardin was the best theologian in the Catholic Church until his death on December 30, 2000. He was one of only five people in the world who could go to the Vatican to see Pope John Paul II without an appointment. So it was the Vatican who called on Father Hardin to solve the problem of catechesis for the missionaries of charity. Because Mother Teresa's order was spread around the world, Father had to develop a correspondence course. This course eventually became the basis for the catechetical formation of the Marian Catechist Apostolate, which he established in 1985. After Father Hardin's passing, and at his request, Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke took Father's place as the international director of the Marian Catechist Apostolate. He's still the international director to this day. By the way, we'll have an interview with Cardinal Burke next week. This week, though, I wanted you to hear from another Marian catechist besides myself about the apostolate, because I'd love to see members of the six-pack family become consecrated Marian catechists themselves. So let's play the interview. Six-pack family, today we have a very special guest who you've probably never heard of before. His name is Philip Bellini, and he's a longtime friend of this apostolate. He's a personal friend, too. Yeah, Philip knows who I really am, but don't bother asking him because he's not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Philip is the Director of Religious Education at Good Shepherd Parish in New Orleans, or as they say in the Deep South, Nolens. He works under the direction of a great priest, Father Christopher Nolte. Our special relationship comes from Philton and I both being consecrated members of the Marian Catechist Apostolate under the direction of Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. Because we've devoted the last few episodes of the Cantankerous Catholic to evangelization, I asked Philip to come here this week to familiarize you with the Marian Catechist Apostolate. So let's get right into the meat of it. Welcome to the Cantankerous Catholic, Philip. We're happy to have you. Thank you for having me, Joe. I've really been looking forward to this. Philip, to prepare for this interview, I listened to the interview that was conducted by a lady in your parish and posted to the parish website. I learned a few things about you that I hadn't previously known, and I was especially impressed with the priest who led you out of the fog of lukewarmness by using the technique of St. Philip Neri by asking you then what to everything, every answer you gave him. Will you please tell the six-pack family your background and how you got to the point you are now? Yeah, Joe, it's a little bit of a long story, but I'll shorten it in the sense of grew up in an average Catholic family, went through the sacraments as a child. Uh, I was born here in New Orleans. Then my father found work and we moved to Aurora, Illinois for about five years. When I was a young child, made my first communion up there at Holy Angels Parish. And then we came back here, which was good because uh, I really uh, love my uh, grandparents, uh, uh, my mother's side of the family, my grandmother being very religious but she had a great deal of suffering in her life. And that was part one, because I watched her when she was a child, she had rheumatic fever and it damaged her heart. So she always had heart trouble through her whole life, but I never saw her complain. And the example meant a great deal to me. To fast forward, when I made my confirmation, and in those days, that was 1972, I believe, confirmation was in eighth grade here in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And my grandmother 
gave me a miraculous medal. Well, little did I know that I would never take that off and that would begin to change my life initially. And then from 1972 to 1976, I went to a Catholic high school and sadly to say, was schooled very well in the school of modernism with everything you could possibly imagine. And I thought to myself, something's wrong here from what I'm being taught here to what I learned growing up. And I started thinking to myself, well, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. And so I started to think and decided to start building a little bit of a library on my own. And then the priest that you mentioned really was the one that shifted me in the sense because towards the end of my high school, I was starting to get a little bit of that modernism inside of me, getting that lukewarmness that I didn't want to have there. And that's when, as you just mentioned, he said, well, Philip, what do you want to do with your life? I said, well, you know, hopefully get married. And he says, then what do you want to do? Well, have kids. And then what do you want to do? I said, enjoy my grandkids. Then what do you want to do? I said, retire. And he said, and then what do you want to do? And I said, father, are you going where I think you're going with this? He said, yeah. What are you doing to prepare for the last and then? And I started thinking to myself, and then he gave me it was on audio cassette tape, so I'm being dated here. Uh, it was on audio cassette, 25, uh, excuse me, 50 lessons on the catechism by Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Needless to say, that was it. The lukewarmness was over. The faith was back. I devoured Fulton Sheen. Listened to all the tapes, listened to them again. And my parents at the time, as I was going to school, you know, they would ask, where's Phil at? He's upstairs listening to Fulton Sheen. Leave him alone. <laughs> but that's, a, that, that's fine. Just let them go with it. Finally, um, after all of that, I said, you know what? I was on the right track. Fulton Sheen confirms it for me. And I, I mean, the fire was back. And I know it was God's grace. And I know it was my grandmother's suffering, which is why I told you the story that she offered up for her grandchildren uh, that kept me from going the wrong way. And uh, it goes to show what knowing the meaning of suffering can do, because I look back at her life and 15 decades of the rosary a day for her. And, she, and my mother told me she offered up all of her suffering for her kids. And I attribute a lot to that. Now that I, as I'm growing older, I understand it much, much more. And so after that, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to get to religious education. I want to help people over the hurdles. I don't see the correct answers in many cases being given. And I began to study and I began to build a library of my own to the point now to where it's up to about, oh, I'd say 1,500 books and study them and went through all of the courses in the Archdiocese of New Orleans to uh, be certified as a director of religious education, which I've been doing now for over 30 years. And in this last parish, really being able to get out there and with the, with the support of my pastor, Monsignor Nalti, to get out there and do evangelization and to, to go for it in the parish. And uh, so I attribute to my grandmother, that priest uh, who challenged me in my faith, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and now they release the, they, they release the uh, lion, so to speak. <laughs> Six-pack family, you couldn't hear it, but while Philip was talking, I was laughing myself to death here. <laughs> It's uh, because I just love to hear these stories about how Catholics 
move from their lukewarmness to getting really fired up. I don't know about you, Philip, but I tell these people frequently that I think Catholicism is the most exciting lived experience a person can have. Yep. Uh, you know, I and this is literally the truth. Uh, I wake up every morning, and the very first thought that I have is, "Wow, I'm a Catholic." Yep. <laughs> I've done. I that's been my thing for thirty plus years. I just it's so exciting to me. Philip, why did you decide to become a Marian catechist? Actually, at the time, I was a director of religious education. And it was around 19, was it, I'm trying to think of the exact year. It was about 1999. And I never heard of it. I, I, I hadn't seen any ad for it. And then all of a sudden, I, I read something about how a particular person, I don't remember the name, was a consecrated Marian catechist and talked about Father John Harden and talked about the apostolate. And, and then I said, well, I'm going to find this. And then I started reading up on the Marian catechist, you know, faithful to the teachings of the church, solid spirituality, you name it. And I said, how come I never heard of this? And I, <laughs> and I said, this is me. This is me. So I, I, I checked into it. I started taking, you know, the, the basic catechism course, the advanced course, you know, all the courses, uh, the master's in spirituality course, and so on and so forth. And I said, man, and I started and then uh, started learning more about then Bishop uh, Bishop uh, Burke, uh, who was I was the uh, bishop in the cross. And I said, man, I can't I can't be in better shoes. And I and uh, especially after I made my 30 day retreat at home, which was an eye opening experience for me because it I was able I didn't think, you know, I, I, I enjoy a little bit of entertainment on TV at times. But at that particular time, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to turn off the TV all the time. I'm not going to be able to. And believe it or not, though, because of the lessons and the way they're structured and the way you go through them, man, it, it actually made me realize, you know, that can wait. That's not, you know, turn it off. And ever since then, I've put that in its proper place. But I wanted to do that because I've mean, become a Marian catechist because I just saw so much that was around me, literally, that needed to be done, that need, the truth needed to be taught. And here was a group that was supported by prayer, was uh, was very solid spiritually, intellectually, and so forth. I need to be in this, and I need, the, I need that support, because I felt like I was kind of by myself down here. And then I said, I'm going to do this. And then it was a great day. Uh, I, my first, at that particular time, later when I eventually finished, I made my first consecration. I just felt an overwhelming sense of God's grace. And I said, this is what he wants me to do. And it's, you know, been many years now and a uh, great apostolate to belong to. And that's how I got into that. You know, one of my greatest regrets as a Catholic, uh, Father Hardin and I were friends. Mm -hmm. And he had asked me once, he explained the the apostolate to me a little bit, and he had asked me once if I would join the apostolate, mm -hmm. that he felt like the apostolate needed people like me, which, of course, was kind of seemed silly to me at the time because I never saw myself as anything remotely mm -hmm. like what he had envisioned. But at the time, I told him no, and I just felt like I couldn't take anything else on. I was doing full-time evangelistic work, 
And, uh, but then whenever he died, it was like God said, all right, now stupid, do what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and, uh, I also knew Cardinal Burke at that time, Bishop Burke, he was Bishop of lacrosse. And, uh, so I said, Hey, I got to do this thing. And I asked and he allowed me to, I think the only point of real pride I have as a Catholic, uh, beyond being Catholic is being a member of the apostolate. I, I just, I love it. And I really think all uh, of the six pack family should, but because of things we've talked about in the last few episodes, Many of the six-pack family are becoming interested in evangelization. Of course, the two most important elements of evangelizing is to know the faith well and to know some basic apologetical arguments. Right. An unfortunate reality in the church today is that at least 95% of Catholics don't know or understand our holy and ancient faith. Of course, you can't live what you don't know. Correct. Right? Yeah. So for those in this six-pack family who are interested in evangelization or simply obtaining basic and or advanced knowledge of the faith, would you recommend the Marian Catechist Apostolate, and why or why not? Absolutely. There were many things that t- that Father Hardin taught in the courses, uh, even though I was well-read, that I didn't know. And it was important to learn the faith, and he challenged my faith because okay, I need to study this further. And I was going through the courses. I didn't know that. And hmm, look at the way he's phrasing that. And and I started going through it, and I, I still began to realize there's a lot I still need to learn. I said, this is going to do it. This is going to set me on the path towards doing evangelization. And with the spirituality combined with that, definitely the apostolate is conducive to evangelization. It's, yes, it's catechetics, and it's, it's evangel, but it's at the same time, evangelizing the gospel and we don't there is no better time than right now when the faith amen to get involved with it to learn your faith because and and if you think you can't do it look at me i never i never thought i could do it but god's grace and i remember a statement of archbishop sheen god christ chooses us not because of who we are but because of what we can become and just so just think of you know just think of doing it for the love of god and also for your neighbor who may not know the faith, because as far as I'm concerned, we've lost, and, and, and you know, it's debatable, but three, four generations of Catholics to bad catechesis or to no catechesis at all. And there's no better time to get involved and evangelize for the faith. And the best way that you can do that is to start taking the courses and becoming a member of the Marian Catechist Apostolate. Amen. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, by the way, Philip, you have mentioned repeatedly Fulton Sheen, and I've got to tell you, I'm a big fan of his too. I love what Terry Barber says, uh, a little phrase he has for his radio show, full Sheen ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Terry, Terry first told me that whenever I was with him out in California a few years ago. It was wow. <laughs> I, I, I laughed like crazy. Uh, <laughs> a, I gotta remember that one. Yeah, that's a good one. You ought to listen to his show sometimes. It's it, it's really a good show, Philip. I've noticed the biggest problem that members of the six pack family have is a matter of confidence. Mm-hmm. As a man who started out as a lukewarm Catholic, who's become what you are today, what would you like to say to six packers to address the issue of confidence? 
confidence, prayer, prayer, and prayer again. Prayer. Yeah, definitely, because it's the lifting of the heart and mind to God. And when you when you don't think you can do it, and you think it could, you, you get with getting into you know could be temptations from the devil holding you back because he may know what you're going to do. Again, prayer, and it's because. And I learned this a great deal, and I hope you don't mind my sharing this. As, you, as I've said, I've been a director of religious ed for 30-some-odd years, marrying catechist apostolate for, what, 17, 18 years, I believe it is. Might have the year wrong. And also done some what's called uh, St. Paul's Street Evangelization on the side. And I can tell you this. I never thought I could do all of those things. But it was God's grace, and it was through prayer. And I, I used to I used to ask myself, some you're calling me to become a Marian catechist and to do evangelization and to be a director of religious education. And I have to say, you, you have to, Lord, you have to give me the grace to do all of these things. And it was through prayer that it came. And I'm glad I asked in that fashion because I remember when Saint Catherine Labore was having the apparitions for the miraculous medal in France that. At one appearance, she saw Our Lady, and out of her right hand were bright, bright, like sunlight rays coming out of her right hand. And so St. Catherine knew what that was. Okay, she's the mediatrix of all graces. But on the other, out of the other hand were what seemed to be dark rays. And St. Catherine said, what are those dark rays? And Our Lady said, those are all the graces that God is willing to give people that they don't ask for. And so... When I learned that, I just began asking, as humble as I could, for the grace to do these things. And it's interesting, it kept going from one step to another, and it was like our Lord opened all of the doors uh, with regards to religious education in the archdiocese and Marian catechist apostolate and so forth. And so in order to gain confidence, pray, trust, trust in God's providence, trust that he will give you what you need to what he's, whatever he's calling you to do. and. As our Lord said, do not be afraid. We can't be afraid. And we, because there's too much at stake, there are so many souls at stake, the truth is at stake, and we have to stand up in, in this particular age and be counted. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I couldn't agree with you more about prayer. I have found that all of my efforts as an evangelist are absolutely fruitless if I don't pray. Yes, sir. The, uh, I had to learn that the hard way going in. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) One thing I've been telling the six-pack family for a long time is that long ago, I stopped asking God to bless what I'm doing and instead began asking him to let me do what he was blessing. And this podcast is a product of that, incidentally. Regarding the Marian Catechist Apostolate, you can't be a Marian catechist and not pray. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, the, the spirituality, the spiritual aspect of, of the Marian catechist apostolate requires some very good and deep prayer, actually. You develop a, a, a very, uh, close relationship to God. I mean, sometimes I, I'm sure it's my guardian angel, but sometimes I can hear him talking to me whenever I'm talking to him. That's interesting. I like that. By the way, I want you to know, because I know you don't get a chance to listen to this show very often, I do a daily hour of reparation for the six-pack family, 
I want you to know that you're included in that, my friend. Thank you so much, Joe. You're quite welcome. That means the world to me, and there's no better gift than prayer. Thank you very much, and I'm I'm so glad you do. Listen, Philip, I've got one final question. Right now, right this second, you're addressing over 32,000 listeners. With that in mind, what would you like to tell these good Catholics about learning, understanding, living, and conveying the Catholic faith? Wow, what a question. Well, first of all, uh, find find good materials such as Joe's podcast here and the Cantankerous Catholic, uh, Marian Caddis, and begin to study your faith. Is at Whatever level you're at, begin to study your faith. Pick up the books that you need uh, and begin to read. Turn off the television. Read. Or put on, or put on some, um, some classes to, uh, if, if you prefer to do it over a TV, uh, in the DVD. But first, start learning your faith in, in, a, in a much more deep way. Prayer. Okay. Because as we just talked about, it's impossible to do anything without it. I'm totally dependent on prayer and, and, and God's mercy for the things that I do and ask him to every day. Lead me to where I can, where where you want me to be, that I can save souls. Because to me, it's all about the salvation of the soul. It's not about many of these superfluous things that we're talking about. It centers directly on the salvation of the soul. And I want to be an instrument in His hands to go wherever He wants me to go, or talk to whoever He wants me to talk to, to in, in order to bring more souls to Him. We can't do that without, as we mentioned at the beginning of the program, beginning to study. We have to learn. Okay. We have, we can't practice what we don't know. Okay. We have to pray and, and, you know, don't worry where you're at in your prayer life, but begin one if you don't. And if you're in one, deepen it and begin to have that conversation with the Lord. I found most of my strengths, most of my strength comes from, when I'm in front of the Blessed Sacrament of the Altar, where I work, I, I'm blessed to have not only the big, beautiful uh, church, but in the rectory is a private chapel with the Blessed Sacrament. So I can walk across the hall and visit the Lord and just bear my heart out to Him, pray to Him. And I can tell you, you know, I try to live as best as I can to that prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred. Let me so love and so forth. However. We're human. We have a fallen human nature, and there's there are times that are that's going to be a battle. And so, what we need to do is is concentrate on prayer. For me, when I don't feel like forgiving very much, when I don't feel like loving very much, when I don't feel like being patient very much, I run to the Blessed Sacrament because I know what's happening. And I, there's never been a time that I've gone in front of our Lord in the Tabernacle that I haven't come away with grace, uplifted. And, and something, you know, and even what's the right word to use, not trying to escape the cross, but being able to have the grace to go through it so that I can become stronger. And I'm going to share, I've decided I'm going to share this very, and it won't take long in order to do this, but, you know, for over 30 years as, as a, as a director of religious ed, uh, consecrated Marian catechist for many years and doing many, uh, Apostolates here in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, which keeps me busy. But about four years ago, our Lord decided that He was going to ask me. I was never going to say no. 
that my mother developed dementia and I became her, her sole caretaker. My brother and sister helped out, but I became the 24 seven guy and I could see it progressively get worse. And I learned how to deal with it. I t- so there were times that I had to learn patience, uh, learning things in a whole new way. And I, you know, I kind of learned in a sense that faith is not getting rid of and doesn't toss aside your crosses and trials. But, and it's not like, okay, I'm jumping on the escalator and going up and waving at everybody. Hey, I'm, I'm up and I'm, I'm moving up. But rather faith is like having a cane and that cane helps you walk. You have to do your own walking, walking up the side of the mountain and, and faith does that. And through suffering, and I under, I understand now what my grandmother understood that through, through suffering and offering it up in union with the Lord that we can do uh, we can grow in, in God's grace immensely. And so as time grew and the years went on and there were many sacrifices and trials involved by offering them up, it, it helped my spirituality deepen to the point where about four, about five months ago, we put my mom in home hospice right here. We knew what was happening. And I'll share this. And this is all the result of prayer, which is why we're trying to say how, how important it is and understanding your faith especially the crosses that come in your faith, okay? Um, progressively got worse, and I, I had to learn how to make to do it briefly. I had to learn how. You know what? I'm going to learn to have to bathe my mom. And there were times the nurse's aides were not here. And at night, change sheets with her still in the bed because she couldn't get up. And, and so many other things. And I actually, the week that it started about five months ago, and she passed away on December 21st, a week a week. After it started, Lord, I can't do this. This is my mom. My sister should be doing this. And on and on and on. And here's what happened. I might shed a tear doing this. But as I stood there, I said, you know what? Pray before each time you have to do this. And after about a week, the Lord knows that I have a thick Italian skull. So he hit me in the head with a sledgehammer. And he said, look, just take a look at your mom. She was very frail, lost a lot of weight. Those hands caressed you as a baby. Those hands held you. Okay, when you need it, when you need it holding those hands disciplined with you when you needed it. There's a body that I'm looking at a body that spent itself totally in giving for family. And it hit me so hard that what you're looking at is love. And when I discovered that and when I hit that, I be I it it just when I was I said, you know what? This is love here. This is this is life. This is sacrifice. This is what it's all about. I never had another problem doing having to do the things that I needed to do. And so, and I learned more through suffering and going through those trials than anything else. Everything that I had been prepared for, learning the faith, understanding it, praying, all culminated for me in a certain sense in having to do that and having to really and not just talk about suffering, but live it. And I learned so many things. And right now, my spirituality. My friends has 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 deepened so much, and God's grace has been very good and merciful. That I would tell you again, and I know I'm repeating myself, but learn the faith, build up for yourself a good Catholic library, listen to Cantankerous Joe, and look at his look at the great teachings that he's got in the Wanderer paper, okay, and and in this you know in the things that he does on the program because I've learned I've learned a great deal from from reading Joe. And start to pray. Make a if you if you can't do it if you can't do the hours 
go to the Blessed Sacrament for five minutes and then begin to increase it, little by little by little. Can't say a full rosary? Say a decade one week, then begin with two, then begin with three decades. Before you know it, uh, it, 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 it becomes natural. And the meditate, I look forward to the meditations. Okay. Read the lives of the saints. Okay. There's nothing better than the science of the saints. We have a crisis of saints today. We need them. Okay. And, and remember to do everything that you do, whether it be evangelization, which we need sorely. We need you to get out there and, you know, any average, not not a pun, but any average joke, you get out there and do it with God's grace, okay? And for the sake of souls and for the glory of God, get out there and do it. And again, Christ doesn't choose us because of who we are, but because of what we can become. Be clay in the Lord's hands. Let him mold you. And eventually over time, okay, you'll go, you'll grow in God's grace and help bring, hopefully God willing, many souls to heaven with you. And so I, 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 there's nothing more that I could say that would go beyond that. We're living in times that we need good, faithful, uh, and I'm going to use the term, even though they don't like this term anymore, we need good, faithful soldiers to get out there and to, you know, using the you know using the battle with the rosary. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting what St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, put on the armor of God, okay? And whether it be just within your own family, evangelizing within your own family, or developing it more, think about becoming a Marian catechist. Do it. There are so many things you can do when you know the faith. But again, what I forgot to say is, whatever you do, teach the truth with love. Okay, love bears all things and breaks into breaks into barriers that sometimes you just can't get into by debate. And I've seen it happen, and I've seen it work. And so let's. Let's all do this for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And what a time to do it. Because, again, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to quote him again. Archbishop Fulton Sheen said, thank God we live in times like this. And I never understood that. Okay. And then, he, then the kicker, because now we have to stand up and it's going to cost us something to be Catholic. It's going to cost something today to be Catholic. And we want to be prepared. And we don't want to be in that lukewarm stage like I was because it meanders all over the place with no set beliefs, okay? And just you begin to just grow lazy, okay? Get involved. Visit our Lord in the Eucharist and ask him what he wants you to do. And ask, our, and ask him for the grace that'll come to you through Our Lady's hands. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How, can, how best can I serve you? What is your will for me, not my will? And... As a result of that, we can do great things. And I'll close with this. Archbishop Sheen also said, and I've even heard uh, Father Hardin uh, say it, but I can't, I can't lay my hands on, on where, that St. Peter gave more glory to God suffering in prison than he was out preaching to the multitudes. And what does that mean? That there's going to be suffering involved. There's going to be crosses involved. And we have to carry the cross in union with our Lord. He taught us that in the fifth station of the cross, but we're going to have to share in carrying the cross. That time is now, okay? So I understand that now because of the, uh, I, I wrote a letter, on, uh, an article on suffering that I couldn't have written before taking care of my mom. The suffering opened my eyes up even more deeply to spirituality. And I know there are others out there who have suffered much more, okay? But unite your sufferings with those of Christ Pick up the cross with him 
Okay. And together, hopefully we can all meet in heaven together and have many souls that come with us. And with that, I'll close. Bless her, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon her. May Mrs. Bellini's soul and all the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Amen. Philip, I'm sorry for your loss, but I'll tell you something. Sometimes God loves someone so much that he says, hey, you've had her long enough. Now it's my turn. Oh, I love that. I love that, Joe. Thank you. And I can't agree with you more whenever it comes to carrying the cross. Here in America, we're so spoiled and we've had so, uh, life so good for so long. We think it's a penance not to have our cell phones with us. <laughs> That's true. But carrying the cross is so important. It's, well, I've always said that people don't change because they haven't suffered enough. And everybody has suffering in their life to some degree or another. Suffering brings about change, and you have a choice. You can either waste it, right, or you can offer it up and turn it into something holy. That's correct. So, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that you talked about suffering. Philip, I want to thank you for being here today. This episode is likely to get some good questions and comments. So I'm wondering if you'd consider coming back on the show in the future. Absolutely. I'd be honored to. Okay. Well, listen, thank you so very much for being here, and we'll have you again soon. I'm sure everyone loved Philip. He's an interesting man. Best of all, he's a totally sold-out Catholic, and that makes him most near and dear to my heart. The whole purpose of this interview is to promote the idea of becoming a Marian catechist. When Father Hardin first invited me to join the Marian Catechist Apostolate, he told me he envisioned an army of well-trained catechists who could change their parishes and dioceses one soul at a time. Philip Bellini has changed not just his parish, but his influence reaches throughout the Archdiocese of New Orleans. That's what we Marian Catechists do. Now it's time for you to answer God's call to do the same. You'll find links in my show notes to the Marian Catechist Apostolate, and I'll send you to Cardinal Burke's right-hand person if you need more. Visit the Marian Catechist Apostolate now. And remember, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts, and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. 
Then I get to the step-by-step -step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Catholic vote. Amazon has removed Raymond T. Anderson's book, When Harry Became Sally, responding to the transgender movement. The online retailer, which accounts for 83% of books sold in the United States, gave no notification to the public nor even to Anderson as to why it removed the book from its store. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the Daily Wire. The trustees of a school board in Northern California resigned en masse after mocking parents who wanted schools reopened. The board members had exchanged profanity-laced complaints about parents on a video chat, not realizing that parents were already listening to them. One parent told the local ABC affiliate, I thought the board members were also advocates for my child and had her best interests at heart. After the incident, it really has me thinking they don't. Wow! That's just incredible! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to the Daily Signal. Nine former members of the Federal Elections Commission warned that the House Democrat election reform bill, called H.R. 1, would eviscerate bipartisan oversight of elections. The FEC was established as a six-person commission with three members from both parties. The Democrats want the commission to be a five-member panel subject to partisan control. The former members of the FEC warned, quote, if Congress wanted to destroy confidence in the fairness of American elections, it is hard to imagine a better first step than to eviscerate the FEC's bipartisan structure, end quote. I told you that we'd never again have a fair election. The only political solution is to secede or fight. Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to the Washington Examiner Disney Plus streaming service has decided that The Muppet Show can only be seen with an adult present because the program, quote, includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures, end quote. They're kidding, right? You're an idiot! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic, Catholic news pick, pick number one. Hats off to Catholic Exchange. 
Father William Casey of the Father's Mercy writes about why you should go to confession this Lent. The sacrament of penance is the ordinary means of the forgiveness of mortal sins committed after baptism, but it is also a veritable treasure of graces and spiritual strength for us in our daily struggle against sin and temptation, Father wrote. Oh, yeah. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. One day an English farmer saw a party of hunters riding over his farm. In one of the fields they were headed toward, the farmer had wheat just beginning to come up, so he was anxious about having anyone ride across it and trampling down the new green shoots. He sent his young farmhand out to the field gate with the instructions to neither open the gate for them nor allow the hunters to open it themselves. The boy had barely reached the gate when the hunters galloped up on their horses and ordered him to open it. The boy refused, saying, My employer has ordered me not to permit anyone to pass through this gate, so I'll neither open it myself nor allow anyone else to do so. When the hunters heard this, one of them threatened to give him a good thrashing if he didn't open the gate, but the lad stood his ground. Another offered him some money to open the gate, but this failed too. The boy could neither be frightened nor bribed. Then a gentleman dismounted from his horse and walked up to the boy. He said, Do you know me? I'm the Duke of Wellington, one who isn't accustomed to being disobeyed. Now I'm commanding you to open that gate and allow us to pass. The boy took off his hat to the great old soldier, who all of England honored, and said, I'm sure that the Duke of Wellington wouldn't wish me to disobey orders. I must keep this gate shut and won't allow anyone to pass without my employer's permission. A truly brave man respects bravery wherever he finds it, and this old soldier was no exception. Lifting his own hat, he said, I honor the man who can neither be frightened nor bribed into doing wrong. With an army of such soldiers, I could conquer the entire world. Although the Duke of Wellington was a great authority in England, the boy understood that his legitimate authority over the land was his employer, and it was he to whom he owed obedience. The fourth commandment, honor your father and mother, certainly obliges us to love, respect, and obey our parents, but it also implies respect and obedience for legitimate authority. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, God's fourth commandment also enjoins us to honor all who for our good have received authority and society from God. It clarifies the duties of those who exercise authority, as well as those who benefit from it. This lawful authority includes teachers, employers, public officials, and church leaders. 
We must obey such authorities as long as they're using their authority in keeping with God's laws and not violating the dignity of a human person. This also extends to workers and employers, as we see in our story. Workers are to respect their employers and to serve them faithfully according to their agreement. In other words, an honest day's labor for an honest day's pay. And employers are to treat their workers with respect and fairness, bearing in mind that the authority God gives them is very limited. The obligations of the fourth commandment also extend to citizens and public officials. A citizen must love and be in the service of his country, the virtue of patriotism. Obey just laws, respect the legitimate authority, pay his just taxes, exercise his right to vote, and defend his country. Regarding obedience to the law, we must never obey laws that are contrary to God's law. In fact, we're to work for the change of such laws. Voting has become a confusing issue for many Catholics in recent years, but some of our bishops have been clear on Catholics' responsibilities. If, after responsibly informing ourselves of the political issues and candidates, we discover a candidate is an enemy of religion or of the common good, it's a sin to vote for that candidate. Such a vote equates to a voluntary participation in that candidate's evil. In recent years, a few of our courageous bishops have risked their diocese's tax-exempt status to tell us that voting for certain politicians and issues is mortally sinful, such as voting for a candidate who's in favor of abortion. And make no mistake, any politician who is pro-choice, but he or she is personally against abortion, still favors abortion by failing to stand up for the sanctity of human life. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, Political authorities are obliged to respect the fundamental rights of the human person, dispense justice humanely, and work for the common good. It seems like the issues become more complex every election cycle. Our country has declined into such a state that we have to worry about the economy and our own family's welfare more and more every day. What makes it so much more complex is we have to balance those personal concerns with what is good for our country as well. We're worried about our border security, terrorism, abortion on demand, a judicially mandated redefinition of marriage, and the overreaching grab for power from the government. How do we balance these things in our thinking and do the right thing when we step into the voting booth? The answer is simple, self-education. John Henry Cardinal Newman, arguably the greatest Catholic apologist of the 19th century, said that the greatest tragedy in the church is an ignorant laity. We must educate ourselves in the faith, educate ourselves in morality to acquire a rightly formed conscience, and educate ourselves on the United States Constitution and all the political issues facing our nation. By doing this and standing united as faithful Catholics, we can return this country to the God who gave it to us. Sometimes we're faced with two bad candidates. Many people believe that voting for either one would be sinful or unpatriotic, so they refuse to vote at all. They make a good case. However, when we refuse to vote, we're actually voting for the worst of the candidates. To demonstrate this point, I'll use this personal anecdote. Mennonites refused to vote at all. 
I asked a Mennonite friend if he believes abortion is a good thing and a woman's right. He was horrified that I'd even asked that question. So I asked why he doesn't vote. He gave the standard Mennonite line that they don't believe in participation in the electoral process. I responded that by not voting for the pro-life candidate, he's responsible for the election of the pro-abortion candidate, because he and all those who share his disdain for voting could stop the pro-abortion candidate from winning. He said he'd have to think about that, and our conversation ended. Perhaps you should think about it yourself. Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets, hence the title Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting, and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Alphonsus Liguori. He said, Those who say the rosary daily and wear the brown scapular and who do a little more will go straight to heaven. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. After Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, he felt that he could never be forgiven. He was so disgusted with himself that he went back to the temple and threw the 30 pieces of silver on the floor that the chief priests and Pharisees had given him to betray Jesus. Then he went out and hanged himself because he believed that there was no hope for him. This scene was staged in the famous Passion Play in Germany. A seven-year-old girl was seated for the performance next to her mother. The play reached that tragic scene where Judas had despaired, and the actor shouted, To whom can I go? All is lost. I have betrayed my master. To whom can I go? The little girl felt sorry for the wretched Judas. Loud enough to be heard by the hushed audience, she said to her mother, Mama, why doesn't he go to the Blessed Virgin? The child was right. Had Judas asked the Blessed Virgin Mary to intercede for him, he would have become a saint in heaven. He would have asked Jesus to forgive him, and he'd have found mercy. Instead, he lost hope and hanged himself. He sinned by the mortal sin of despair. Go to our Blessed Mother when you're inclined to lose hope. 
she'll always help you. Under the Constitution, established law, and historic precedent, members of both houses of Congress and Vice President Pence could have saved our constitutional democratic republic on January 6th, but they didn't. They could have stood up to fight for us, but they chose not to. Every one of these people are guilty of treason against the Constitution and the people of the United States of America. This has nothing to do with Trump losing the election, but rather the integrity of our elections and defending the Constitution. Therefore, until I've finished the list, every week I'll tell you who those Republican traitors are, five at a time. Then it's up to you to defeat these folks during the primaries in the voting booth so they're thrown out of office. They don't even deserve to be American citizens, much less members of Congress. This week's list of traitors include Tom Cotton, a senator from Arkansas. You know, I really had high hopes for this young man, and I'm thoroughly disappointed by what he did. He refused to hold up the Constitution and keep his oath. Therefore, he committed an act of treason and doesn't deserve to be in the Senate. Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota. Senator Mike Crapo or Crapo, or however you want to say it, a Republican from Idaho, Senator Steve Daines, a Republican from Montana, and lastly, Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa. And boy, that really surprised me. But the same goes for her that goes for Senator Tom Cotton. We have to replace these people. Every Catholic needs to be listening to the cantankerous Catholic because this show will help you to learn to navigate through these tumultuous times as well as learn, understand, and live our Catholic faith better. You can help other Catholics find the cantankerous Catholic much easier by leaving a review of this show at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show the cantankerous Catholic more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It. 